Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. All right, today I want to preach to you from my Bible reading on this past Tuesday morning. Now, that might not sound significant to you, but I don't always get my message from just my daily reading, uh, but I did this week, and uh, it was something that I read. My reading plan for this past year has been a chronological Bible. If you don't know what that means, it means I'm reading chapters from the Bible according to the date or the order in which they were written. It's kind of cool to do that. Um, So if you're reading a plan like that, what's unique about it is when you get to the New Testament, it means that you're going to probably be reading the same story in three or four different variations of that story from the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And for those of you who are not familiar with the Bible, uh, those books are called the Gospels, and they focus on the life and the ministry and ultimately the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you are glad it didn't end when he died? Amen. By the way, let me just throw this out here. When you're reading the Gospels and you hear the same story more than once but slightly different, each time, that, that kind of caused me to stumble at first, first time uh, I noticed that uh, as a young Christian uh, with a detail added here or maybe deleted in another chapter. I want you to know it's not a contradiction, okay? Uh, and I'm not even preaching about this. I just want to give you a little Bible reading uh, tip. Uh, imagine it like this. This is the best way I know to describe it. Let's say you have a photo shoot this afternoon with your family and you hire four different photographers, all right? Each one of those photographers, they're shooting the same people. They're doing this, you're doing the same things, but they are all capturing your family from a slightly different perspective, from different angles, and certain things stand out to each photographer, right? You know, it's kind of like if we all went and saw an event take place, every one of us would describe that same event just a little bit differently. Photographers, same family, same day, different end result of your photos. The Gospels? Same Jesus, same stories, but a slightly different perspective based on the different writers. So I hope that perspective is helpful for you today. When you kind of read these stories, take the little bit from this one and take the little nut and put it all together and you get a perfect picture. Amen. Well, in my reading on Tuesday of this week, I was reading in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they were all talking about the ministry and the message of John the Baptist. And what resonated with me on that day in particular when I was reading were a few different verses, and and the Lord doesn't always speak to me this clearly, but he very clearly told me to preach about those verses today. So, out of obedience, here it is. Let's go to the Word, right? Now, we're going to read, by the way, we're going to read a lot of verses today. If you don't hear the Word when the preacher stands up to preach, he ain't preaching. Can I just say that? When you go to church, you don't need a TED Talk, right? Come on. You don't don't need just an inspirational. You need the Word of God. I need the Word of God. Amen? That's what makes church different. That's what makes believers different. The Word. Everybody say the Word. So I'm going to give you a bunch today. 
Let's go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Skip it down to verse 6. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Mark chapter 1 verse 4 tells this story this way. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 3, verse 3. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River. You know what I love? John didn't just go down one side. He came back down the other side. He'll make sure they all heard it. Preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. And then Luke 3, skipping down to verse 7 through 8, says this. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Three different books telling the same story. Now, the Bible passage that I just read to you this morning tells you part of the story of the ministry of a man named John the Baptist. John was no ordinary man. Amen. John was an amazing man with an amazing ministry because he had been chosen to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was a warm-up act, if you will, for the people about Jesus to announce his coming. And Jesus was coming right on the heels of John. As a matter of fact, you know what Jesus said about John the Baptist? That he was the greatest man ever born. Now, that's a pretty strong accolade from a very reliable source. (laughs) Amen? The greatest man ever born. And let me tell you, John was not a reluctant preacher. He walked and he lived in the confidence of understanding his mission and his identity. John came out of the wilderness, the Bible, like a wild man, set on fire. And he was preaching with authority about the coming Messiah. He was not afraid to tell them the truth. Uh, He was not afraid to preach with urgency. He was not afraid to preach with passion. And John's message, like any good preacher, it was direct And it was not a complicated one. And I want to preach his message to us today. I want you to hear it again from Matthew 3, 1 and 2. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, and here it is, remember, not real kind, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. A simple message. 
The main focus of his message, and here's my first point, is to repent and turn to God. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said it clearly. He said it often. And he said it everywhere that he went. But John didn't just stop with the message of repentance. He also preached something else to them in addition to repentance. And by the way, everything you're going to hear today is coming straight out of the Bible. Amen? He also preached something else. He preached and told them that they were to be baptized. To be baptized. Here it is again, Matthew 3 and 6. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Mark 1, 4 and 5. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John and notice, and when they confessed their sins, he did what? He baptized them in the Jordan River. Amen. Luke 3 and verse 3. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should what? Should be baptized. Why? It says it here. To show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. You know, I think sometimes we just make the Scripture so complicated. We need to just read it. It's right in front of us. Come on, can I get a little help in the house? Amen. Denominations have screwed it up. Everybody's interpretations have screwed it up. Why don't we just go back to the Word of God and see what God's preachers said? Amen. John said, if you've really repented of your sins, if you've really turned to God, he said you need to be baptized in order to show as the proof, the demonstration, the sign that you have truly repented of your sins and turned to God. But then... After telling them to repent and to be baptized and to turn to God, he went on to say even more. And hear me, this is where a lot of Christians struggle. This next part, are you ready? Matthew 3 and verse 8. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Luke 3 and 8 says it the exact same way. Prove. By the way that you live, that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. John said, your repentance is great. It's what gets you out of the starting blocks in your walk with the Lord. By the way, let me just tell you, all you good Christians, repentance is what keeps you in good standing with God as a believer. Amen. Come on, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. You know what else? Repent of your sins every day. Have an open heart with God. You'll grow, grow, grow. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit. That's how David was a man after God's own heart. That's repentance. He said your baptism is important. It's a sign that you have repented and turned to Christ, and you're now identifying yourself as a true believer. But John said the real proof is not just that you've repented, and been baptized, but now you have to prove by the way that you live. Prove yourself by the way that you live, that you have truly changed. Life change is indicative of heart change. Amen. John said, prove by the way that you live. In other words, the things you do, the person you are. That you really are a believer. Hear me. Anybody can confess with their mouth. 
But it's different when it comes from the heart. Amen. Anybody can repeat the words of a prayer. But did it come from a place of genuine repentance and heart change? Because hear me, this is what John said in verse Luke 3 and 8. Prove by the way that you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. And I love this part. Don't just say to each other we're safe because we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing for I tell you. God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Now, man, Pastor John didn't pull no punches. Now look at verse 9. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised. He's literally painting a picture. God is standing there with his axe, poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree, John said, that does not produce good fruit, what will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. If I preached like that, you'd say it was hellfire or brimstone. Well, Brother John told him exactly what it was. He said, we got to prove the way we live. John also said, don't rely on your spiritual pedigree and say that you're safe. We are children of Abraham. You know what John said? He said, that doesn't mean anything. Can I just say this about heritage real quickly? I hear Christians brag all the time about their heritage. My grandpa was a preacher. My mother was a missionary. I'm third generation Baptist. I'm sixth generation Methodist. I'm fourth generation Pentecostal. I'm eighth generation apostolic. You know what John said? That doesn't mean anything. That's exactly what he said. He said, stop acting like that's going to keep you safe. John literally said, God can turn a rock into the seed of Abraham. Just like that. Your heritage, I want to help somebody. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online. Your heritage can become a stumbling block. And I've seen it create the spiritual elitism in a lot of folks, a.k.a. pride. Amen. Can we just say it? It creates the spiritual elitism in folks. And you know what they do? They get spiritually lazy. Because I'm going to tell you, your grandpa's walk with Jesus is not going to get you into heaven. I don't care how many churches your grandma built. I don't care how many missionaries were in your family. That's not going to get you to heaven. Can I just tell you right now, we've got children upstairs that are hearing the gospel, that are being being taught by people. By the way, they're not going to hear it. Thank God for everybody that's up there right now. Come on. We need to show them some love. But one day, every one of those babies is going to have to give an account to God for themselves. Amen. So we've got to understand, your heritage is not going to get you into heaven. And in verse 9, John said, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Now hear me. This is not talking about works-based faith. It's talking about fruit. Now I want to help some of you. A lot of us grew up in Christian families or in denominations or even cultures that focused way too much on our works our do's, our don'ts, sometimes even to the point of being legalistic and completely overlooking the work of grace in our lives. But let me tell you what I'm afraid that we've done in many cases. There's a knee-jerk response to a lack of grace and an overemphasis on works and an effort to avoid legalism, and it causes us to misconstrue the fact that we still need legitimate fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Amen. 
as a believer, hear me. I'm going to say this in love. You have to eventually begin to produce spiritual fruit in your life. That is not legalism. That is not works-driven theology. That is the fruit of the Spirit in operation in our lives. Don't settle for sloppy grace. For sin-filled living. One preacher, I heard him say, he said, don't settle for sloppy agape. Amen. Amen. We don't want to settle for that. And back to John. John challenged us when he said this to them. Prove by the way that you live or what? Be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And it prompted one of the most important questions that we can ever ask. And this is my sermon title today. What should we do. What should we do? All right, John just preached. Here's the set. I've already given you the setup. Repent, turn to God, be baptized, prove by the way that you live. And you know what they did? They asked a great question. Well, John, we heard you. What should we do? Go to your Bibles, Luke chapter 3, verse 10. Let me show you. And all this was what I read on Tuesday, and the Lord said, share it with you today. Luke 3.10, the crowds asked, why don't you say it with me? What should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, say it with me, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. Verse 14, here's another group. You ready? What should we do? Ask some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Luke 3, verse 10, crowd, what should we do? Luke 3, verse 12, tax collectors, what should we do? Luke 3, 14, soldiers, what should we do? And here's what I want. Don't miss this. When each group, crowd, tax collectors, soldiers, ask the question, it is interesting to note that John gave them a specific answer that reflected specific behavior that would demonstrate the fact that they had actually turned toward God and proved it by what? How they were living their lives. Oh, man, this is good stuff. Verse 10, crowd asked, what should we do? What did John say? If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those that are hungry. Now, by the way, I don't know exactly why he told them that. I'm not sure. Maybe to this particular crowd, maybe they had a problem with greed. Maybe they, they had a lack of compassion. I don't know what it was. But, uh, but John says, hey, if you got two shirts, give one to somebody else. If you see somebody hungry, share your food and don't let them go away hungry. Whatever, here it is, notice, whatever the need was, they knew and John knew and the Holy Spirit convicted them and challenged them with a specific response if they wanted to prove by the way they lived that they were truly changed. Look at the next group. It got repeated again. Luke 12 and uh, uh, verses, Luke 3, verses 12 and 13. Even corrupt tax collectors. By the way, are there any other type of tax collectors? No, I'm just kidding. Amen. If you work for the IRS, God bless you. We will pray for you. Amen. We love you. 
in the love of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Notice what it says. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked, teacher, what should we do? John had a very specific answer for this specific group of people. He said, collect no more taxes than what the government requires. Now, if you don't know, the tax collectors, you would go and pay your taxes to the individual tax collectors, and they would oftentimes charge you more than what they were supposed to, and they would keep the extra money. Romans didn't care. All they wanted was their part of it, and they let these guys get away with it. That's why, uh, that's why even in the Bible, when Jesus went to the home of a tax collector, people were outraged because they hated the tax collectors. They thought they were some of the worst, most corrupt people in their society, and most of them were. But so what did John say to them? He said, stop fleecing the people. Stop taking more than what you're supposed to take. Amen. And, and, and I love the fact that the corrupt tax collectors were not turned away by John. Can I just throw this in for a minute right now? Do you know who the gospel is for? Corrupt people. By the way, if you're corrupt, welcome to Life Church. We're glad you're here. I mean it. If you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel, welcome to Life Church. You fit in well among us. Amen. If you're a thief, if you're a liar, if you're a hypocrite, if you're a backslider, guess what? That's what the church is for. We're glad you're here. Welcome. You are in good company. Look down the pew and say, I know there's some dirty dogs on this row somewhere. Come on, somebody. You're welcome here. Guess what? You're welcome here, but you don't have to stay the same way you are. The gospel can change your life. Amen. But I want you to notice, he told them, stop ripping people off. Stop collecting more than you're supposed to. Stop lining your pockets. Don't tell me you've changed. Show me you've changed. That's what John said. Again, here it is. Whatever the need was, whatever the situation was, they knew, and John knew, and the Holy Spirit challenged them with a specific response if they wanted to prove by the way they lived that they had truly been changed. And now we have another group, Luke 3, 14. What should we do, asked the soldiers. John replied, don't extort money and make false accusations. And by the way, you also need to be content with your pay. Now we got John facing soldiers. Guess what? Same Roman soldiers that had the power to arrest him, that had the power to take his life. But what does he say to them? Didn't back down to them. Wasn't intimidated by them. He said, prove yourself by stopping the shakedown of people for money. He said, prove yourself by stopping making these false accusations. And by the way, prove yourself by being content with what you have. Because if you'll be more content with what you have, it might not prompt some of the behavior. Come on, somebody. Oh, can I just help somebody right now? If you could just get content with who you are and what you are, it might help you with a whole lot of sins like anger, envy, bitterness, greed. Come on, somebody. And this brings me to the moment right now. If John the Baptist was standing right here, in front of you right now. And he just, just preached to you the message of repent and turn to God. Be baptized. Prove by the way that you live that you have changed. And if you were to ask him, what should I do? 
what would his answer be in your life? If John the Baptist was up here preaching and you heard him and then you turned to him and said, John, I hear you. What should I do? What would the answer be in your life? Because hear me, folks, this is a critical question that we all need to ask ourselves, not just one time, but all the time. What should I do right now, Lord, in my life to please you? What would John say to you? Would John tell you to repent and confess? To finally ask Jesus to forgive you and to begin a new life? For some of you, that would be John's response. Would John say to some of you others, I'm glad you've repented, but now you need to turn your life around. How many of you know there's a big difference in saying I'm sorry and living you're sorry? Oh, that's another whole sermon right there. Come on, somebody. There's a big difference in saying you're sorry and living like you're sorry. He said, don't just repent, but turn around. Turn around. And maybe you've done both of those. And then there's some others of you, John would say, you need to be baptized to show that you are a believer, to identify with the body of Christ, to obey what would later be preached throughout the, God, the, the epistles by the apostles. By the way, epistles are not wives of apostles. Amen. Those are the letters that were written to the churches. Amen. I actually had somebody say that to me one time in a Bible study. I said, what's an epistle? She said, wife of an apostle? I said, man, that's a great guess right there. I mean, that, that, that's a great guess. But here's a word to somebody today. We are ready to baptize as many of you as want to be baptized here today. If you want to be baptized, amen, right now before you leave this service, why wait when you can do it today? We've got robes. We've got towels. We've got uh, shorts. We've got clean bathrooms for you. We've got people that are ready to help you. Why wait? Because what if John was here? What would he say? Maybe you don't remember being baptized. Maybe you're not sure how you were baptized. You can be baptized here today. Or maybe... You've already repented, you've already confessed, you've already turned around, you've already been baptized. Maybe John's answer to what should I do for you is it's time to prove you have changed by changing the way you live your life. Change the way you live your life. See, John didn't mess around. Pastor John, he, he didn't play. John said, put up or shut up. John said, talk is cheap. Show me what you've got. See, many of us, you know what? We don't have John the Baptist coming out of the wilderness, wearing burlap, eating uh, locusts and wild honey. But what you do have today, I'm coming out of Mechanicsville. I'm wearing a pair of Dockers, amen. I love donuts and Reese cups. Amen. But I'm going to tell you the same message. It's still the message. We've got to repent. We've got to turn our lives around. We need to be baptized. We need to live like God has truly changed our lives. Somebody ought to give him a praise right now. Come on. Hallelujah. And again, even today in this moment, hear me. Whatever the need is, whatever the issue is, the Holy Spirit sent me to challenge you, take your next step. I've never repented. That's your next step. I've never confessed my sins. I've never invited the Lord into my life. That's your next step. I've done all that, and I've never been baptized. That's your next step. 
I've done that, and I've been baptized, but I'm really struggling. I'm not, I'm not living a good life. I need to, I, that's your next step. And as a matter of fact, you might say, well, I understand this whole repentance and confession thing. I understand getting back to that, but I really struggle with the prove yourself by the way you live part. That's okay. I get it. I love Jesus, but I struggle with getting turned around in the right direction and staying on the right path. Well, good news. John even addressed that. Not only did John tell them what they needed to hear for that day, John told them about an empowerment that was coming very soon. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. He said, I baptize you with water. Those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. Here's what John said is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Woo! Hallelujah. Mark chapter 1, verse 7, John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 3, verse 15, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. They were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I want the praise team and the band to come on back up. John said, I covered the repentance part. Repent and confess your sins. John said, I've covered the baptism part. Be baptized to prove that you have made a real change. But there is something else you need to experience in order to truly turn your life around. And John said, I can't help you with that one. Hallelujah. John said, I can't help you with that one. There is one who's coming after me who is so much greater. I have baptized you with water, but he is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. If you fast forward in your Bible, Jesus comes on the scene. He works miracles. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. John eventually dies as a martyr for preaching the truth. Jesus eventually dies on the cross. Thank God he didn't stay there, though. Amen. He was resurrected for our sins. But later, after Jesus ascends into heaven once and for all, we find a group of people who are in a similar situation as what we just read about with John. A group that had gathered on the day of Pentecost to hear another rough and tumble preacher. This time it wasn't John, but it was the Apostle Peter. Hallelujah. The baptism of the Holy Spirit that John had said was coming, that Joel had prophesied about in the Old Testament, had now been poured out in Acts chapter 2 with the people receiving it, speaking in tongues, and a crowd had gathered from all over town to see what it was all about. Amen. <laughs> Peter then preached to them about who Jesus was. Read Acts chapter 2 about how he had been falsely accused, 
how they were responsible for his execution and how what they had just witnessed was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then it happened again. Hear me. The most important question you can ever ask after the Holy Spirit convicts your heart. And here it is in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Look. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, what brothers, what should we do? The parallels are so amazing. John the Baptist had preached and told them what they needed to do. And they all got convicted. The crowd got convicted. What do we do, John? The corrupt tax collectors got convicted. What do we do, John? The soldiers got convicted. What do we do, John? And here they are on the day of Pentecost. And Peter preached to them the gospel. And they said, what do we do, Peter? And Peter answered them in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 when he said this, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love it. I have never connected John's message and Peter's message the way it got connected in my mind and my heart this week. John said, repent and turn to God. That's what Peter said. John said, you've got to be baptized. That's what Peter said. And by the way, Peter actually gave them some additional clarification and revelation because now Jesus had come on the scene and they understood more about the mission of Jesus and he told them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of their sins. And then he told them the same thing that John said was coming. John said he's going to come and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened on Acts chapter 2. And then Peter looked at them and he said, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, why didn't John just tell them that when he preached to them? Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit was not poured out until Acts chapter 2, after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I want you to stand with me all over this house. So what should we do? Well, Peter gave us the answer for our dispensation, for our generation. We are the New Testament church. Peter said we're to repent. And by implication, that means turn around and give your life to God. Confess your sins, repent of your sins. Peter said we need to be baptized. And he further told them with clarification. That means by immersion. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter also said, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the, where, the part that empowers you to prove the way you live. Amen. That's the part that makes the difference. That's the part. Jesus said that he would send his spirit to be a comfort. Amen. But he also said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the scripture says, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Some of you right now, you're still struggling with addictions. You know what you need? You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on, can all the Holy Ghost people in this house say amen? Some of you, you're struggling with stuff you've been struggling with a long time. You need a renewal of God's power in your life. Some of you, you just need to stir up the gift that's in you. And so here's my question. I'm going to be John. What should I do, John? Repent. 
turn to God, be baptized, prove that your life is what you say that it is. If, you've never, if you're a believer and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm baptizing you with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Folks, the message is the same today. The same message. And the question is now, what will you do? What will you do? Let me tell you what you need to do, whatever your next step is. Can I just tell you here at Life Church, we're really okay with that. We don't try to push people from A to Z. You know what? I want to push you from A to B. And then I want you to get settled into B. And then when you're ready, I'm going to give you a nudge to go from B to C. And then if you get stuck in C too long, I might give you a little kick and say, hey, it's time for you to move on to D. Amen. And you might actually slide all the way back to B. And somebody's going to come along and say, hey, man, I love you. I see you went from D to B. Let me help you get back where you need to be. Folks, we made this so complicated. Here's what I'm going to do. They're going to begin to sing. We're going to open up this altar. And if you have never been baptized, first of all, I'm going to tell you this now so you can get ready. I want you to just quit rationalizing. Quit trying to talk yourself out of it. You just need to obey the Word of God. And you need to go to the room to your right and my left and meet the team there, and we will baptize you today in Jesus' name. Amen. But for everybody else in this house, whatever you need to do next, I want to challenge you to step out from where you are. Say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to repent, or I'm ready for, to have more fruit in my life. Come on, this altar's open right now. I'm ready, God, to prove that you have made a change in my life. I'm ready to change my language. I'm ready to change my habits. I'm ready, God, if you want me to get, take two shirts and give one to some, if you want me to feed the poor, if you want me to stop extorting, lying, whatever it is, God, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. What should I do? You do what God is telling you to do and walk in obedience to the Word of God. Amen. Let's worship with the praise team. Amen. Amen. Show us your glory, show us your glory, in wonder and on, surrender we fall down. That's it, all over this house, come on. Whatever show it is, God, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Show us your glory, let every burning heart be holy. What should I do? I'm ready, I'm ready. What should I do? I'm ready. Show us your glory. If I need to heal a relationship.
upon the profession of your faith and obedience to the Lord, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Yes.
say, well, today I need you to work on your attitude. He might say, today I need you to forgive somebody. Today, I need you to ask somebody for forgiveness. Today, I need you to share the gospel or just share your story or share your testimony. He might just say, today, I just need you to be a good Christian. Did you know a lot of people will never read the Bible, but they will read your life. They will never read the scriptures, but they read you every day at work, at school, in the neighborhood. So you be the Bible that they need to see. Amen. One last phrase. Can we give it to him? Amen. Hallelujah.